one of the issues we have is really providing that mentorship and foundational commercial and supportive system for these women to really rise up through the ranks. You're listening to the Royal Society of Medicine's Digital Health podcast series from the Digital Health Council, where we aim to support healthcare innovation by disseminating knowledge of expert leaders at the Royal Society of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Marla Morkin. Welcome back to another episode, and this time we're speaking with Suki Nal. Suki is a growth equity investor at EQT and previously part of JP Morgan's healthcare team. Suki talks about the current trends in digital health and how Web3 can play a part in democratizing access to healthcare. We discuss Suki's efforts in increasing diversity within the investment space, in particular within healthcare, and how in these uncertain times, we must lead with compassion. All views expressed in this episode are of the speakers themselves. And after you finish listening, head down to our website and take a look at some of the upcoming RSM Digital Health Section Council events. We'd love to have you there. Let's jump straight into the episode. And when I was working some of the early stage companies, really these founders that have these really innovative ideas and this entrepreneurial mindset of how they want to change the world, I realized that's what I want to. I want to be supporting them going forward. I want to be a driving force of change. And Ikati, I'm just to give the audience a bit of a background. It's a large private equity firm and they've been around for just over 20, 25 years. They also had a venture capital arm and they invest in more earlier stage companies across all different sectors. And we really had this wide space for growth stage capital that wasn't there. So you've got the venture firm, you had the private equity firm, and there was nothing that could really fund these companies once they'd gotten to scale up phase past venture and really were at that inflection point in their journey to truly change the way people use and consume technology. Um, so I started just over or almost a year and a half ago now as one of the founding team members to really help build up this growth stage fund with the rest of the team that we have there. And we focus mainly in Europe, we focus on tech and tech-enabled businesses across all subsectors. But given my background as well, I tend to focus a lot more on health tech and I've really been helping to build up this franchise and practice within the European ecosystem. And EKT as a whole, the private equity team, the two biggest subsectors that they have are healthcare and tech. So it really does help us to marry that knowledge and we really leverage all the resources and network we have over there to fuel the investments that we find the most interesting within technology and within healthcare technology as well in particular. Um, so it's been about a year and a half, as I said, and it's, we've all been on a rocket ship together. And I think it's really motivating and useful because when you're starting within a new fund, you're really getting that scale up experience yourself as well, which helps us to identify with the companies we're looking at so we can grow with them. The investments we make now, we'll all be growing together with them with the partnership model as well. So that's um, where we've got to, and I'm really excited. And also uh, more so about the healthcare industry as well and the environment going forward within Europe. That is so brilliant to hear. And I love the way that you talk about the the learning points that you've made as well, and not just in a time-wise fashion of like seeing the industry develop over the last few years, but also from your experience in growing your own team and seeing how that kind of develops and seeing how the industry has been developing as you guys develop is really, really fascinating. And I'd love to pick it apart a tiny bit and kind of ask you a bit more, especially for the people that perhaps are listening from other countries outside Europe, um, where are you seeing kind of the exciting points and, and maybe even kind of things that you find personally really exciting about healthcare and um, 
within the digital health space is there any particular trends that you're seeing yeah there are a few trends that i'm seeing and i think there's two in particular that i'm really excited about and the first one is the digital delivery of care so i think what covid showed particularly was that healthcare systems are often outdated and unable to deal with uh, situations, scenarios when things go wrong, either in terms of capacity or in terms of being able to remotely monitor and deliver care as well to digitally to patients. And one of the things that we're seeing is that post this COVID and lockdown environment, um, there's been increasing investment within to these types of companies. And also, I think the returns that the positive outcomes that it can provide is really, really powerful on a few different metrics. One is that these companies, if successful and able to scale up, you can reduce the hospitalization rate. So I think, for example, I've looked at some companies and they've reduced the hospitalization rates by around 40 to 45 percent. And with an increasing, yeah, with an increasing focus on reducing costs to healthcare providers, healthcare systems, and also providing care to patients to make their own monitoring and management of care more autonomous. This is really, really powerful tool as well, I think, which can, it's this problem, you don't have it just in the UK, the problem of having the undercapacity issue, the issue with supply is an issue across all healthcare systems across the world, mm-hmm. globally. And being able to do that, you can not only provide more positive outcomes for patients, but also you're more able to provide a better quality of care within hospital settings as well, because the doctors and clinicians will have more time to look after the patients that are there. They have more, they can give more attention to them. And also with reduced costs as well to healthcare systems, you're better able to allocate resources across all different areas of the care ecosystem. So that's something that really excites me. I think the second part that this also leads to is there's going to be a greater focus on prevention rather than cure with remote monitoring of care. You're able to, I mean, if you've got, for example, carers that are elderly care, for example, you have carers that could be friends, family, so they're able to use tech to better able monitor their family members or the people they're caring for. You can actually help to prevent certain diseases that will then cause a huge burden to the NHS, to the family, and just for a more of a mental satisfaction point of view, which I think is really important. And then people are also democratizing the access to healthcare as well. Like in our generation, you probably, you're probably seeing as well the same demographic shift. Everybody wants more autonomy on the healthcare that they're doing. Everybody wants to focus more on health, healthy lifestyles, and everybody wants to focus more on their own mental health and physical well-being. And I think COVID really showed the importance of that as well, because we were all stuck at home all in lockdowns, not having any social interaction really with anybody except in the immediate people we were living with or the bubble of people that were in our circle. And it's really important, I think, now more than ever that we do focus on the mental health care side as well as preventing certain diseases as best we can rather than having to get to a stage where we have to then burden our healthcare systems, burden the family members and people that care about us with the with trying to find cures when it's almost too late. So I think that's one thing that's really exciting me. And then the second thing that I'm really interested in also as well linked to that is how we can best um, create the workplace, a better environment for mm. all the employees. So healthcare, the healthcare workers in particular, we're saying. Healthcare workers in particular, and also more generally, how we can best deliver healthcare to employees and just gen- other corporate environments as well. Because I think traditionally, for the UK, especially compared to perhaps other countries like the US, where they tend to have good health plans in different corporations, we've, be, we've dealt with that quite poorly. And I think it's an issue across all of Europe. 
most people, it's because we've got a public healthcare system, but there are a lot of companies out there that haven't really focused on their employee mental well-being and physical health. And I think that's becoming increasingly more important. We have more flexible work environments now after COVID. But then with the more flexible work environments, there should be more flexible healthcare as well, I think, because people, as I said, yeah, people, I home. people are not interacting with people in the same social settings they used to at work. It's much more of a lonely state of being. And people are still, they're jumping it from place to place, from area to area. It's quite unsettling. And I think the workplace needs to adapt to shift to this kind of difference in the way people are working and better help their employees stay engaged, be more productive and be more happy. Because overall, I think it'll just create a more productive and just a happier society. If employees are offering the types of healthcare benefits that, and I've seen some companies trying to you know, focus on making these personalized plans as well for their employees, I think that could be a really, really, really important and powerful way to ensure that all of us are happier in the workplace, are more productive, and also get the appropriate mental and physical care that we need, particularly in things that have been, there have been lots of gaps as well in healthcare, for example, for female health, male health, and I'm seeing more employees now focus on it going forward, mm. and that just helps with what, for example, if I think about the place I work, EQT, all the males in our team or in our firm get the same amount of paternity leave as maternity which I think if more more other corporates focus on that as well that's one of the things stopping equal opportunities and stopping women rising to other areas in the workplace and if you can just have more firms trying to offer these personalized healthcare plans I think that would make it much more it would help society to adapt and make the workplace a much more productive environment as well going forward. So I think those two are the, are the main things I'm excited about, digital delivery of care, and then how we can also improve healthcare access and treatment within the workplace and put that burden on the employers themselves. Wow. Wow. And I'd love particularly two things I wrote down here. One of them, whose responsibility is it, right? Is it the employer's mm-hmm. responsibility for someone's healthcare? Is it the person themselves or the healthcare system? Who's just love that. And I say love the other one, which is you said the word democratizing healthcare as well. Yeah. And I think that kind of I know we've had loads of chats um, offline about Web3 and obviously this um, season is really highlighting how uh, blockchain technology and Web3 is going to be is going to be changing potentially the face of what healthcare could look like in the next five to 10 years. Um I don't know if um, you've got any thoughts about it that you want to share with us or if everything's kind of close to your chest right now about what the future of Web3 is going to be looking like within healthcare. Yeah, we're at EQT Growth, and me in particular, and also a lot of my colleagues, we're really excited about Web3 and blockchain and what this means for lots of different industries. And in particular, I think one of the things that I'm really interested in is the community building aspect of it, because healthcare especially is all about communities and especially now you need that support system with each other as I said before uh, people are becoming much more focused on the autonomous delivery of care and how much they want to take control of their own healthcare and their own physical and mental well-being and with web3 and blockchain I think if you do have this focus on communities that mutual support system you're really as I said before, democratizing the access to health. And it's just going to change the way the stakeholders interact. And I think it could be really powerful going forward. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how uh, some of the big corporations as well and healthcare systems will think about this moving forward. That is so fascinating. And I love, 
um, the, the trends that you've really picked up here is going to be so useful, especially for the next couple of courses for people to really think about. Um, one thing I want to kind of leave the uh, last question on is going to be about we're in a kind of a very unsettled time right now, post pandemic, we are, you know, we've got un unsettling times as well with um, for anyone listening at present. Um, uh, we've got the UK Ukraine crisis happening right now and I think that for, for the founders and the teams that are working on delivering high growth companies within the digital healthcare space do you have any words of advice for them right now that can kind of help them get through these next few months to a year etc and anyone that's building any healthcare projects any any words of advice yeah, I think, I mean, the main, obviously, it's a really difficult time and a period of huge uncertainty. And one, I think that all investors around there and all companies that are in a hyper growth stage are concerned about and worried about. I think, and this is the reason why I love health tech investing in particular compared to other sectors. The main, the end goal is always to do, to do good by doing better. Mm -hmm. And I think if you just focus on that or if companies do focus on that and make sure that they are maintaining the true values and aspects of why they started the business in the first place, you're, we're trying to work together to make healthcare systems more effective, more efficient, and also just improve access to care to people who need it and help society as a whole better able to handle any type of medical or physical or mental conditions. And particularly now in such a period of uncertainty, I say I would say to companies to keep focus on what their end goal is. I mean, if they're if they need more cash, keep focused on that, keep going out to focusing on the core operations and then making sure you do maintain that clear vision of why you're doing this and what the positive outcome will be. And I think that at the end of the day is going to be the thing that keeps driving you forward, that keeps driving these companies forward and all intentions within the company and within those aspects of how you're dealing with these times will then have a true marriage point as well. So that's the advice I would give. Um, just keep focus on what the true positive outcome is and what your, your original goal was. I know I said that was the last question, but you've just made me think of one more. If you'll have one more from me, is that really, really, Suki, you, you always lead with compassion here. And I think that really stems with all of your companies that you work with as well. And you can see that the companies you work with helped so much during the pandemic and are turning their focus towards helping Ukraine right now and um, and all the world's problems. Like That's what your companies are here to do. And they're solving the biggest problems that are happening right now. One thing I forgot to mention is you're solving huge problems as well as an individual outside of work as well. And that's in really bringing diversity into the investing space. And um, I just love the work that you're doing, especially with the groups that you've organized down in London with bringing female investors and female leaders in the space together. I'd love if you could tell us a little bit more about it. And if anyone listening wants to get involved, how they can get involved in some of the projects you're doing. Yeah, of course. Um, so um, as you mentioned, I think investing has been a traditionally really male-dominated environment. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about as well is bringing together 
all the women that are in this environment, particularly even at the senior level, is still quite male dominated. I think we're good at getting women in through the front door now, which is a massive step forward. And medicine also used to be like this. I think it's the same situation of, of medicine about 30 years ago. But the, one of the issues we have is really providing that mentorship and foundational commercial and supportive system for these women to really rise up through the ranks. Part of it also links back to what I was saying about equal opportunities, you know, having the equal maternity and maternity care. And with that changing, I think we are helping to retain women and provide a more even platform and workplace footing. But what I really wanted to do, and I've been really interested in, because I've got lots of different colleagues now, dotting different firms, people I know from various areas of life. Um, there's really been this white space for women supporting other women at this industry and in this stage. And I think we really need to build up that support network. So one of the things that I've done with some of my colleagues as well at other firms is build up this network of women in growth equity and venture capital investing. And we're actually um, putting wow. together a event. So it's me, my friend Kelly from General Atlantic. And we're putting together an event for all the women in growth equity and venture capital at um, another friend's art gallery that I know in London, which is the first UK female-focused art gallery, um, wow. which is crazy as well because you think it's the first art gallery in the whole of the UK focused only on females. But we wanted to combine two traditionally very male-dominated industries put together an event so we can all mutually build up this network to support each other and share any uh, insights and any experiences that we've had to try and help better deal with moving forward towards further up the ranks in the workplace, leveraging our network to talk about investing and other companies, and also just providing the foundational support network there um, to help us move forward. So I think that's really powerful. And if people do want to get involved, they should feel free to reach out to me as well, ask about the group, and we can also send more in details about the events as well. But I think it's really important to encourage diversity and encourage women as well within this industry, because at the end of the day, having viewpoints from lots of different backgrounds is what makes investing and the workplace a much more positive and stimulating environment. And then it just pro provides better outcomes as well for all stakeholders. So really, really excited about that as well. You are just phenomenal. I love speaking with you. Every time I speak with you, I feel so inspired to go into you so much. <laughs> so I'm so grateful. Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with today at all, Sufi? Um... I'd say the one thing I'd probably like to leave you all today is obviously now we spoke about it before, it's really challenging and uncertain times. There are so many issues as well coming out globally post-COVID. And I think if you just keep your mindset on what the true positive outcome can be and really leading your life with compassion and love and also focusing on how you can leverage your experiences and all of the work that you've done to date to really help that and help other people that that's really the most important thing I think at the end of the day well you've heard it here first and anyone that wants to get in touch with you I'm sure can find you on LinkedIn as well if that's all right yes of course yeah feel free anyone my name is uh, Suki Nal on LinkedIn S-U-K-I-N-A-H-L fantastic well thank you so much for joining us today and we can't have we can't wait to have you down at some of the Royal Society of Medicine events coming up as well It'd be lovely to have you there so speak soon thank you thank you for having me and have a great rest of day as well Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Suki on the Royal Society of Medicine's digital health podcast 
I'm so excited because we've got such awesome events happening at the Royal Society of Medicine's Digital Health section. If you'd like to sign up to our AI and Healthcare Virtual Masterclass, you can sign up now on the link in the description of this podcast episode. We'd love to see you there, but in the meantime, bye for now.